Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Blues GM Doug Armstrong talking to the media about the composition of the roster for the team that starts the season tomorrow night. Right now answering questions about Scott Perunovic. To, to understand what's in front of them and, and to get better. and uh, But we're not going to force feed that uh, right now. Uh, Craig's got his lineup set, and we're going to go with that group. And when he gets the opportunity, he has to seize it. That's the competition, and that's the, the job responsibility of every player is to seize the opportunity when it's given to them. On his defensive game, I, I would say that, you know, we've seen improvement. Uh, he's obviously going to have to defend with his stick and, with, and quite honestly, his feet and his brain. Physically, he's, he's not a big man. Uh, I don't think I'm telling any uh, stories out of school there. So he's going to have to, to really use his quickness to get back to pucks. He's going to have to be the first guy back, and he's going to also have to move those pucks quickly. And then he's going to have to defend the net, tying up sticks and getting good puck position. Uh, but again, I think a lot of his success will come from transition. Doug, do you just have any overarching thoughts about the uh, the preseason and the way your team played there? Uh, preseason, I, I, I don't quite honestly uh, look at the games that much as I look at the practices. Um, I think you've seen a trend in, in the NHL where where the uh, the home team dresses more veteran lineups and the road team dresses uh, uh, younger players or, or uh, call up players or players they want to get a, a view on. And so uh, the only game that I thought was a real close to an NHL game was our our, our game in Dallas. We took a, a good lineup and they had a good lineup, and um, so that's when you could judge on. Um, but I thought our practices, the intensity level was high. I thought uh, I thought they worked hard on their systems. I thought they came in with a professional, and determined attitude to to get every gets every day. Uh, I thought the coaches pushed them to the limit, and I thought the players responded. Doug, with when it comes to both Perunovic and Alexandrov, I guess certainly their play is going to dictate whether they make the team or not, but. Uh, how much also was there just some thought that, you know, you didn't want to expose these guys to waivers and risk losing them there either. And that's why maybe some of those veteran guys were the ones left off. Yeah. I think you put Tucker in that group too. I think when you're, when you're transitioning uh, in, into, into something different, uh, you know, you want to, you want to be true. We've, we've had, uh, uh, I think, you know, we have seven first round picks since 2020. We have young players. We want to build around that young core group. Uh, I understand that all these all these first round picks and all these players aren't going to have success in the NHL. That's just what the actuary tables tell you. So you want to give them the opportunity to succeed in your organization. And uh, I, I believe that you know. And then I think we're trying to be honest with the players that aren't here right now that we have to we have to take a look at these guys. We have to see what they can do. Uh, you know, uh, one of those three players is in the lineup tonight or uh, tomorrow night. 
are, are waiting their turn. And when they get in there, they're going to have to prove that they're a regular NHL players. And then where they take it from there, that's up to them. Hey, Doug, um, now that we're here, the season's starting tomorrow, uh, can you describe what you envision for a retooling or perhaps retooled St. Louis Blues? Yeah, I would say it's uh, obviously we, we are judged by wins and losses. I, I think it's going to be, uh, when, when I look at it, maybe from 30,000 feet, it's going to be more of an attitudinal, attitudinal look. How, how, how do we play in games? Do we have, um, you know, like, there, there, there's there's proper ways to win. There's proper ways to lose. There's proper ways to, to play the game. And uh, I thought last year we, you know, or let me successful teams play the full sixty minutes. They they protect their goaltenders. They're, they're ten, they they protect the goaltenders. Uh, you know, when it's a four two game, they don't let it get to six to two. Uh, they they just respect the game. They respect the competition. Respect each other. I, I think that uh, teams that that don't do that have wild fluctuations in their seasons and looking more, more from a 30,000 foot on function or uh, foundational things as, as, as obviously we are at wins and losses. Doug, there's going to be a lot of focus on Jordan Cairo and uh, Robert Thomas, obviously being leaders of this team and also with their contracts kicking in this year. What have you seen from those two on the ice and maybe what have you heard about them off the ice in terms of how they're carrying themselves as such? You know, you know I, I don't know if anybody else, you, you were bouncing in and out of there. I think you were asking about uh, uh, Cairo and Thomas. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the question. I thought they both had good camps. They're entering uh, uh, the first year of eight-year contracts. Uh, they, they've shown that they can be offensive catalysts. Uh, now they have to obviously round out. They have to be great two-way players. They have to be. They have to be players that uh, uh, that can help us win games, not only today but into the future. And um, that's going to be the the next challenge. Uh, they're at the point now where where if we, if we started the game last year, the opposition would be circling Tarasenko, circling O'Reilly, circling. Though, along with those two guys, now they're they're higher up. They get circled quicker in, on every visiting team. They're going to have to learn how to deep, get unchecked, how, how to play through things that they've never had to play through before, and that's going to be a challenge, and it's something that we're going to have patience with as they learn how to do that. Uh, but ultimately, for those, for those players to reach the goals that they have for themselves and that we have for them, they're going to have to find a way to do that. Hey Doug, can Colton Pareko be better, or is he at a level where you think he's he, he is in the NHL? Uh, I think they well better than I think we all can be better than we were last year. Uh, I, I think that you know Colton being an offensive catalyst that that's not going to be his game. That's not is his game. Uh, he's he. I think when he came in as a, as a rookie, he he got some points early. Pucks were going in the net for him, and and there was the hope that there was a an offensive, uh, a larger offensive side to him. I think what we found out now is for him to have a successful year and a successful career, it's going to be more in that Jay Bowmeister style of player where he's a, uh, uses his skating, defends well with his stick, kills plays down low, kills cycles, makes an initial first pass, uh, going to play 20-plus minutes a night of hard minutes, probably not a lot of power play, if any, second unit potentially at certain times. Uh, so his job is to play against the other team's best players. And we've seen him do that in the past. He's been a very good player. So uh, I, I guess that the question is based on last season, uh, I think everybody in the organization uh, from top to bottom, management, uh, coaches, uh, players, what can all be better.
the super super minor thing here uh but with isaac ratcliffe is he still with you guys on the pto or has he been released from that uh i think he's been released from quite honestly what we did there is he got injured and uh you know instead of releasing right away uh we wanted to make sure that he was 100 percent healthy i sort of left that up to the trainers he will not be on our roster he's not on our roster uh i think it's probably been uh, uh canceled but but i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure quite honestly sorry yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like an eight. Uh, you are okay. listening to no, no, he, Doug Armstrong live right now uh, with a Blues preseason press conference here on 101 ESPN Balloon Party. We'll start in a matter of moments on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Yeah, I think, again, Jared, it's it's hard to, to see it in practice because, you know, and so the forwards know what they're doing. Uh, I think they worked hard. I think we've simplified things. I think they're buying into the systems that's there. Uh, but friendly fire turns into real fire tomorrow uh, against Dallas, and, and we're going to see how it works out. I, I know that it's, uh, and I, I know we've talked about this uh, as as a group when I talk to you guys, is that defense is not just this, not just those six players. It's also the twelve forwards. We have to have a better job of getting shot uh, shooting lanes. We have to do a better job of getting pucks out when that. When the guys do get it up the wall, uh, can't come jam- jamming back down our throat. They got to do a better job of getting pucks out. We got to transition quicker and easier. We can't be blowing the zone. There's so many things that go through to good defensive hockey, and and I think that what what I saw last year, defensive hockey starts with puck management in the offensive zone. Uh, I thought I, I think good teams uh, play for the next line up, play for the next player coming up. And that, that eliminates a lot of the things, a lot of the all-man rushes, if we can, can, can do that consistently. Hey, Doug, I know you have so much on your plate, uh, so I wanted to preface it, but you mentioned in the spring that you're going to learn more about the youngest generation, uh, study up on, on, on what makes them tick and all that. Uh, now that it's October, can you share perhaps what you've learned and how it can be implemented with the St. Louis Blues system? Yeah, that probably... Uh, got a little more traction than <laughs> than it needed to, but no, I, I read some books. I, I talked to some different people. We're we're implementing some some different things here. I, I think uh, you know some of the things I learned. Uh, I thought I thought one of the the general quotes that I that I that I it stuck with me the most was that the quite honestly the young people haven't changed. It's it's, it's the parents and the people around them that have changed. We've gone from a society of of, of my generation where. Um, you know, our, our parents were parents and now our parents are more friends. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, I'm just saying it's a reality thing. And I think the, the today's players, if, if they're looking for a, for an exit ramp where they're going to get support, regardless of what they're doing, it's easy to find right now. And, and I think what we have to do, is, and it's also the why generation, uh, they want to know why they're doing certain things, not just do this and, and, and turn away. You have to explain to them. Uh, so I, I think there's little things that we picked up. I, you know, we're, we're implementing some things uh, behind the scenes that are going to try and help them and help us, and we'll see how, how it works out. So, uh, as I said, I think that gained a lot of traction. We did do some work on it. I did talk to a lot of people. I read a couple of books, um, but it, it, I, I don't. I guess what I want to say is I, I think we were all pretty well on the same track when we went there. You just want to verify what you're seeing and see if there's any small things and. I think anything, whether you're a player and your skills on the ice or whether you're a management or a coach, you, you don't get better at, at, at 15 and 20% of the time. You get better at 2, 1, 2, 3% of the time. And so if research and if doing work and reading can help me get better a little bit, 
and I can share that with people and then hopefully we're moving forward. If you're not moving forward, you're, you're going backwards in this industry. And any final questions? Yeah, if I could ask one more, Doug, uh, you know, obviously when you set out to do this retool, you couldn't have envisioned what the lineup would look like on opening night, but now that you have it, now that you see what you have, do you believe that this is a, a playoff contending team? Yeah, I think we should. We, you know, if you look at, uh, I'd love to get third place. I think that uh, if you, if you, or I'll say the way I look at it, you, you, I, I see Dallas and I see Colorado as a different maturation part in their organizations. Uh, they, they seem to be a half a letter to a full letter grade ahead. Uh, but then I, I look at, at Minnesota. I look at what Winnipeg's going through, what Nashville's going through, what we're going through. And then you have Chicago and, and, and Arizona. Uh, Chicago is maybe entering a different spot, uh, and, and Arizona is trying to come out of the spot where Chicago is going into. So, but you know, I think third might be an easier thing uh, to get than than the, one of the two wild card spots. So, I, I think we should be competitive. But uh, again, it doesn't really matter what what I think or what anyone thinks. It's what we're going to do. Uh, we we ended up uh, Jr. adding uh, veteran players like Sunquist, uh, which which changes a little bit of, of the dynamic when you, when you have Sunquist, it, it puts Alexander off instead of in that hole on opening night, it pushes him down a rung. Um, you know, you, you re-sign Blaze and the way that Craig has it lineup set up instead of, uh, you know, uh, Blake or uh, neighbors being on the third line, he he's with Sunquist and Torpachenko, you bring in Hayes. So what, what we're trying to do is, is not rush younger players, you know, keep our keep our keep our picks, keep our prospects. Bring competitive players in that can can be a light for those younger players and stay competitive. Um, I just think with if you look at uh, Buchnevich, uh, Thomas, and Cairo as a line, and you look at uh, uh, Shen and Saad, uh, and then we bring in uh, Kapanen and then Hayes and Verona. There's there's enough, and then the defenseman. Uh, of of Letty and Paranko, uh, Falk and Krug, uh, if you just take those guys just as an, as a group, it shouldn't be a last place team. They they've got too much experience. They've got too much pride. They've got uh, too much talent. Quite honestly, uh, so I don't see us being in that group of of players starting out. You know, hoping to get the first overall pick. That that's not what we're looking at now. How far they can take it. Uh, I, I think we should be competitive with with the groups with that uh, with that you know if you break the league into thirds I hope to be in the, in competitive with that middle third and I hope to be at the top end of that middle third that's our goal going in and then as you, as we all see every year you make the playoffs things happen goalies go on a heater the wrong guy gets hurt in the first round you get a bad call go against uh, you or you get a good call go against for you and and you're, you're on to the second round and then everything changes so. Uh, I'm not quite as I'm not concerned about uh, about quite where we fit in the standing. Quite honestly, Jr. is is do we build that foundation back to where it was in the past, and can we start building something that has uh, to put us in the same spot where I say I where I personally view Colorado and Dallas now uh, with experienced players that have the pedigree and and have the perception that they should be winning championships. You know, we're, we have been there for the better part of a decade. We're not there today. And my goal is to to build this foundation to get back there as quick as possible. That was Doug Armstrong speaking live just now to address the state of the Blues on the threshold of the 2023-2024 season. I got to tell you something I was planning on just throwing to a break. 
but I loved his answer just now. The one on the on that they're going to be competitive on the expectations. Yeah, I loved it. I have a feeling some people will hate it, mm. and some people may really like it. I love it, and and you know what? We so much of the conversation on, uh, has been about you know the Blues and Cardinals are both coming off of bad years. There's no way to uh, to candy coat that. Mike Claiborne talked about that on the opening drive yesterday uh, about how this is one of the unique years in, in his career. Both the Blues and Cardinals just totally out of it. But yet, the attitude toward the Blues by many people in St. Louis who consider themselves sports fans versus the attitude of that same group of people toward the Cardinals is different. Yet, they're both coming off of rough years. And I think since the Blues won the Cup, I think people would make a case that, well, you could say the Cardinals have been more successful from, you know, June of 2019 to, yeah. it's, it's certainly, it's not like either have killed it, but either way, point being, the Blues and Doug Armstrong have greater equity with the fan base than the Cardinals and John Zalek. Let me just establish the premise. And I think you just heard one of the reasons why. It may not sound really good, but it's honest. Yeah. He said, yeah, we, you know, we recognize that uh, the Avalanche and the Stars are probably in a different class than we are. And uh, our goal is to be in the top of the second third of the group of teams in the NHL this year if you're breaking it down by thirds. This is not a team that will be competing for the, the draft lottery and the number one overall pick going Blackhawks and Connor Bedard. It's not what we're doing. Uh, we're laying the foundation. And uh, and you never know. Once we get into that that mix, what can happen in the playoffs? Because you see what happens in the playoffs where a goalie gets hot, an injury happens, a bad call, uh, and all of a sudden you can make a run. And I like that. Furthermore, whether that was as honest as it sounded or it was just brilliant PR, under promise, over deliver. Jackson, take a listen to this one more time. All right. Under promise, over deliver. It's a good mantra. Now, penny saved, penny earned. This is crazy. This This is is crazy. crazy. This is crazy. crazy. I'm in deep. So I love. I loved that. Yeah, it was good because stuff. it was honest. A lot more transparent, way more transparent. Right, the way you get in. Right, yeah, you know, one card in the left. So I'm curious what uh, people. I, I, I browsed the YouTube chat because we were live on YouTube, even though we were playing the Doug Armstrong press conference, and a lot of comments, unfortunately, about someone's. I'm telling you, can we, writer? Some about the lighting. I mean, it's just right on top of the the crown. It's just right on top of the crown. Someone's hairline is what the the comments were. I didn't get a chance to to give the direct object. And Mike Ryder has just bought in a 101 ESPN hat for Jackson. Wow. I think that thing was worn by DeMarco Farr when the station launched. It's a little seasoned, Ryder. (laughs) Holy crap. Oh, it says 1380. Yeah. ESPN. Where was that again? That was above a sex shop on the landing, and Rich Gould didn't like that he couldn't park on the cobblestone, and so he removed an orange cone, and he said he gave it a heave. <laughs> well, where's your, your 1380 ESPN? Yeah, where is Rich Gould? I'd love these so great. Should do a weekly update with yeah. Rich. Uh, so I enjoyed it. What did you think of what Doug Armstrong had to say? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Plus, Taylor Twelman is going to join us today. Uh, he was not able to join us yesterday, so he's joining us in the second half of Balloon Party. It's all coming up here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Oh, was that the opening music? And yeah. should I give the people the yes, yes? I mean, that's... 
really my signature. I'll pile up a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, came a little later today, 1025. Uh, Taylor Twelman coming up in about 10 minutes. We just played Doug Armstrong live. State of the Blues on the uh, verge of starting the 2023-2024 season. Jackson, did you watch the Predators and Leafs? Uh, Predators and Lightning, excuse me. Uh, or the uh, Blackhawks and, and Penguins or the Kraken and Golden Knights last night at the Chalice made its appearance. No, I watched none of those games. Ooh, you double negative it. Um, what was what was on? I was really tuckered out last night. Like I like finished half an episode of the bear. Nothing, and I mean nothing, endears oneself to a sports talk radio audience than a coming from a privileged high school mm-hmm. in a city that monitors high schools more than any other in the world, I believe. Yeah. And then when said person says he couldn't watch the NHL season opening night triple header because he was tuckered out. Yeah, I, I really was. I was You're like Chris Elliott and Cabin Boy. Have you seen the picture? Uh-uh. Good. Uh-huh. On goodorbad.com. Okay. You can go, I don't even watch. Just put good up. I'll, I'll lock it up today. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was a tad bush yesterday, so I decided to pack it in early. So like I said, I half an episode of The Barrow and then some light reading and went right to bed. Oh, what'd you read? book called The Writer's Retreat. Mm. It's a little mystery. I'll tell you what. This tar- oh, written by Nancy Drew and no, the Hardy Boys. But this Target, they, they sell cheap mysteries by these like mid-40s British women, and it's just outstanding. <laughs> I get like a three-pack every time I go. I'm starting to wonder if you're playing a character now. No, I really... I've decided. Is this I, some kind of performance book's, art? It's in my backpack. I love it. It's It's been great. These mysteries. He probably skated for 90 seconds yesterday. That's from the 314. Oh, and the previous text was, Jackson, you suck. Yeah, no, no doubt. It might surprise people to know that I don't know how to skate. Uh, need some more of that seductive whispering from the bald guy. That's from Marsha's Burner. Yep. Uh, I was told, reset the station. Yeah. Something we don't really have to do on HD2 because, well, we're on HD2. Ryder told me to do that, and I said, how do I do that? Right. Well, that's the thing. and that's You didn't go to the Missouri Journalism School. I didn't, no. It was a full semester on resetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I wonder what the final is for that. <laughs> is it a written exam? Hey, <laughs> here's how you do it. Yeah. And so what I did, I go, you know what? I'm going Greenside Augusta National with this reset. I thought it was great. No, I was excited about it. it was, it's on my resume reel. Yeah, already. You are listening live to Doug Armstrong's press conference here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We'll rejoin programming momentarily. Yeah, back to you in the tower. Well, Peter, it looks like Rory's got about a 15-foot downhill left to right. He's going to want to play this about two balls outside. All about the speed, though, because this thing could get away from him very quickly if he's too aggressive. You can't. You can't t- listen, here's the deal. You can sit there and be envious of it, and I understand it. But don't be mad because you can't teach it. Right, right. That's the thing. Intangibles. Thank you. Uh, people appreciated the Doug Armstrong press conference, and not just the whisper reset. They appreciated what he had to say. Uh, let's see what I got here. Uh, that that they like the realistic expectations. Um, I uh, could listen to Army talk ten times over than listening to Mazalek talk down to everyone with his ego. He's transparent and doesn't use subliminal messages. Hmm. Is Mazalek using subliminal messages? Like he's playing a Beatles record backwards? Is that what's going on when he's talking? No, I think sometimes he... Yeah, I'm just going to stay away. I was going to well, go... No, so, hey, you've already told people you're reading Nancy Drew movies. Not Nancy Drew. Good. Just these independent, mid-40s British women. And they bring the heat on these mysteries. But either way, 
I think, yeah, I, I get what people are saying. I would say that Doug Armstrong has a more blue-collar kind of way, uh, and again, transparent. I think that's the overarching message. Well, John Mosellock gives off the vibe of uh, better than you, and I can understand why fans don't like that. I totally understand it. Yeah. We're a blue-collar city. I was list- I was like, oh, I'm anxious to hear. That was a great question. It was the final question. Yeah. JR asked. He was with us on TMA at 9 o'clock, and he asked us to for questions to uh, ask Doug Armstrong. Our listeners gave a lot of questions regarding asparagus, so I think he 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 passed on those options. But I enjoyed his question there at the end, what are the realistic expectations? And so I ask you, I mean, picture whomever in St. Louis sports, and I include as far east as Champaign, Illinois, and as Mm -hmm. far west as Columbia, Missouri. And if each figure for those particular organizations were asked that question, what would they say? And I think most people, even if they say, well, Doug Armstrong is the reason that the Blues are in this spot, not re-signing Petrangelo, having these defensemen under ridiculous contracts, can't move them. But I still think it's one of the things you go, yeah, I still think he's he's shooting me straight. Mm-hmm. And that buys you equity with people. Sure. You know? Sure. But I think when applicable also, I don't find any issue in the coach saying our goal is a championship. You know, if the, if the team is... Like I, if Mosaic went up and said like the goal is the championship next year, I'd be like, okay, that's a, that's a touch, might be a touch strong. Same thing with Doug oh, Armstrong. I, th- I think that's I think that's essentially what they are saying. I, the Cardinals, yeah, to be clear, yeah, Cardinals. I, I and I find hey, can it happen? Can the Blues win the Stanley Cup? All these things can happen, mm-hmm. but then you assign probability to it, right? And so if you're saying, you know. I don't know who would be an example of the biggest long shot of a championship right now. It might actually be the Blues, yeah. Uh, as far as, but uh, if if you know, hey, anything less than winning the Central is a disappointment, or anything less than getting to the conference finals and something went wrong, people go, "What in the hell's going on?" Yeah. So he laid it out. He didn't just give like a soundbite for right. some jack pony on social media. You know, to to get some likes on right. from their burner, <laughs> he got he goes. You know, you take a look at the NHL, and I feel like you break it down into thirds. And I think we are not a team that's competing for the uh, the lottery. I think we're a team that's in the middle third, and we'd like to be at the top of that middle third. And then, hey, you know, you get into the playoffs and you see what happens in the playoffs, and then laid out how things could wind up happening. And so. I don't know. He gave you everything you wanted there. From right. my standpoint, I listen. I don't. You know, I'm not paid by the blues. I, this is just my opinion. I don't really give a damn. But right. this, that's that's how I assess it. And I go. That's that strikes me as being honest. It also sets expectations realistically, subliminally. If we're doing a lot of subliminal talk here in this mm-hmm. uh, segment, mm-hmm. yeah, it sets them low. And so, therefore, anything that supersedes those. It's a win. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Uh, what is it again? I'm going to try it. Okay. Under promise, over deliver. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Uh, and, and it sounds like, based on the text that I'm seeing in here, uh, that uh, people appreciate it as well. It probably surprised some people initially, but then when they heard the answer, go, yeah, you know what? I mean, he's not blowing smoke. I mean, the Cardinals are... It, Three starting pitchers who <laughs> probably are not on the current roster away from from winning a world championship, yeah. and any any Are other they? opinion on that right. wouldn't really give one a credible amount of equity with their fan base. Right. 
So it's like, okay, if you want to do this, go ahead. Yeah. But you're going to be spending a lot of money and a lot of years and see what happens. So I don't know. I, I, I just think for me personally, and I think people are good with this, but maybe not. I don't know. I'd rather see an organization go, okay, yeah, we're clearly taking a step backwards, but that's going to bring us closer to winning a championship as opposed to, oh, we're just going to try to get it, you know, stick around and then see if lightning can strike. Right. And that's what I kind of feel like the Cardinals do. And that's why I just think, ah, I just did that. that it, bothers, it concerns me for those both near term and long term. Understandable. Because I think this thing of, well, we always want to be in contention if you can just get in, but then. Man, you need a lot of things to happen. And if things don't, then you have a year, not necessarily this bad, this is a big time outlier, but a year where you're you're not even in the mix, uh, or you are barely in the mix, as was the case kind of in 16, 17, and 18, and didn't get in. All right, your thoughts are welcome. 314 399 646 Taylor Twelman talking about a team that is in the mix. They won the Western Conference, and that is City. And that's next here on Balloon Party. Driven by Mungan, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're heading down to the pitch to talk soccer and City SC with Taylor Twelman. This is Talking with Twelman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Check out Together Credit Union CD options. Visit togethercu.org. Welcome back. Balloon Party, 101 ESPN YouTube. Check it out. See what's doing on the YouTube. And uh, it's presented to you by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. And it is our pleasure to uh, be uh, joined on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, a rare Wednesday appearance by the great Taylor Twellman. Morning, Taylor. Hey, buddy. How are you? What's the good word? How are you doing? Uh, nothing. I got nothing for you. All right. Unusual for a change. Where, where, where are you set up on a day where you got nothing for me? I bet you're in South Florida and you got it all figured out. That's what I think the answer is. I really don't want to go back to South Florida anytime soon, my man. Really? What's the problem? Um, I'm messied out. <laughs> <laughs> messied out. I like that. No, it's all good. I am, uh... Funny you uh, were talking today. I am taping our podcast for this week with fellow St. Louis and Pat Noonan, and um, we're doing a huge profile on the uh, FC Cincinnati turnaround. How about that? Really oh, cool. Very good. Yeah. That'll, be, that'll be good stuff. Uh, so you can catch that with Taylor's podcast. Uh, and uh, and that, that leads me to a question. You know, we talked last week about how Pat said uh, winning the Supporter Shield uh, can be considered a more significant accomplishment because of the duration of the season versus the, the potential crapshoot of the one and done once you get past the first round of the playoffs. Um, and, and we were talking about that. There's a lot of talk this week, uh, Taylor, about Major League Baseball players playoff format ken rosenthal talking about how these teams that have great regular seasons are getting wiped out in the first round and uh, maybe there's there's an issue there do you like the setup of the mls playoffs i know they've they, they now have 18 teams in when you include the wild card round um what do you think is the optimal way to determine a champion in mls 
Yeah, it's it's changed so much. Obviously, it has to change, though, Tim, because of expansion. So you've got to find the right percentage, the right formula. I will say this. As critical as some people have been about the 18 of 29 teams making the playoffs, since 2014, a five seed hasn't made MLS Cup final other than one, and that was the Portland Timbers. And a five seed hasn't even won MLS Cup in a long time. So... The more money that has been put into the league, the cream rises to the top. There's more games in the playoffs, sure. But the regular season, the last MLS Cup winner to be outside a top three seed was New York City in 2021. And that was an interesting year, right? Because you had Philadelphia, who was the better team in the regular season. They missed seven starters in that semifinal game against New York City due to COVID. So you could put an asterisk next to that. I still am a firm believer that the regular season, uh, the way you play and you're rewarded with the home games, ultimately in a one-game playoff, those teams end up moving on. So the high, unlike baseball, where the Diamondbacks are literally killing the, the L.A. Dodgers, baseball is a game where that can happen. Mm-hmm. But if, if the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers over five games, I'm sorry, guys, they deserve to move on. Jackson, they deserve to move on. So stop your squawking. Rattle up. Thank you. Oh, nice. Is that the hashtag for the Diamondbacks? No, it's probably something goofier than that. No, okay. It's for... probably something way worse than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. For that conversation, even when baseball was just the division winners and they went in, it's not as if the better team that had the regular season won. Honestly, think about Major League Baseball. If you win 60% of the games, that is an absurd regular season. You follow what I'm saying? Over 162 games, baseball rewards 500 play. You're based on what? 500 play. Guys, that, that, that's where I'm getting at with this. That's where it becomes a little – I think baseball is a very tough comparison to every other sport. Now, in saying that, I think the NHL is the most difficult one because an eight seed can beat a one seed, as we often have seen. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter what you do in the regular season in hockey because it is a game of parity and whatnot. Soccer has some of that. I would say only in Major League Soccer versus the rest of the world where if you spend more money, you win more than anyone else. Uh, almost, I think the number's 84, 83% of the time. Oh, is that right? Well, that's a nice little yeah, fun so, fact. But when you look at parity in Major League Soccer versus the rest of the world, the, that's, it's the reason why Leicester City winning the Premier League is the biggest upset in sports history. And, and anyone that's listening to this that wants to argue, well, Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas, whatever it may be, sure, the odds of that, but you will never see Leicester City win another Premier League in our lifetime because since that point... Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, even to a certain extent Tottenham, they've all spent over $1.5 billion in transfer fees. So the teams in the world, when they spend more money, they're guaranteed victories. It's almost higher than 85% of the time. How about that? Wow, that is a hell of a statistic. Uh, Along those lines, in talking about a a team's successful run, we had this conversation on TMA this morning. I was prepared to ask it to you anyway. I feel like City's playing with house money, but I don't know if you necessarily feel that way. Like, could you have imagined the first year going any better than it has to date? Of course, the answer would be, well, over the next two months that they win the MLS Cup and uh, become champions in their expansion year. But what does a successful run for City look like to you, Taylor Twelman? Once they get once they get into playoffs, they are playing with house money if they win the first series. Okay. 
That's how I look at it. If they lose the first series, I think that's going to leave a sour taste in everyone's mouth. You're still going to celebrate the great season that they had. But not have a knockout round game at home, then you're not really taking advantage of the home field advantage, yeah, right? I you're not you, yeah. taking advantage of what you did in the regular season. I think if they get out of the first round and then anything happens, listen, someone can come to City Park, take them to penalties, and they lose. That's not necessarily a disappointment. I mean, it's a disappointment, but it's not necessarily a failure. There's a, it, those aren't, you know, those are mutually exclusive at times. They're not always the same. So I, I just look at it. They win the first series. They get a knockout round game. Then they're ultimately playing with house money. And no matter what they do from that point, it's 100% they outkicked their coverage, and they, they, they overachieved, in my opinion. I asked you this last week. My buddy keeps saying he is so worried about Dallas in the first round. Your, your thoughts on, on the way this thing could shake out with where they'll, they'll be? Yeah, I think, the, I think there's an overreaction to the Dallas game. I think style of play. Dallas likes to use possession. They like to defend with possession. They like to use rotations. Well, what does St. Louis City love to do? They like to punch you in the face, make the game chaotic, and not really play at their tempo. If St. Louis City does that, they, they, they're not going to have a problem with FC Dallas. FC Dallas isn't the problem. The problem for St. Louis City is in a playoff game, if any team dictates the game at their tempo – possession like an LAFC where it is in transition and they've got more talented players then absolutely FC Dallas is a problem LAFC is a massive problem mm-hmm. but if the game's played like most playoff games are played chaotic ugly a thousand miles an hour that suits St. Louis City I think this narrative about FC Dallas is way way too overblown but more importantly it's not properly assessed because that first game against FC Dallas was rain delayed yeah caught up then Bradley Carnell made some odd decisions to change the lineup in the second part of that first game I just I don't even look at FC Dallas in that first game as actually a real game because it really wasn't there it is Taylor Twelman here on balloon party every Tuesday today we are with him on Wednesday and it's always brought to you by together credit union they wrap up the season a week from Saturday against Seattle and then the playoffs get underway a best of three series we'll find out who the opponent is in a matter of less than two weeks and we'll see what it looks like for City. Taylor Twelman brought to you by the Kether Credit Union here on 101 ESPN. Taylor, thank you so much, sir. October 21st, they win most wins ever by an expansion franchise in MLS. you got to be kidding me. How about that? That's what's on the line on October 21st at City Park. Thank you, Taylor. See you, buddy. There he is, Taylor Twelman with us here, brought to you by Together Credit Union on 101 ESPN. We haven't even gotten this little piddles. What do we have today on the Sports Business News? Oh, wow. God, you're gonna have to like pick one question. That's all right. Uh, tomorrow, I can even I, I'll deepen the sports business newsletter. Oh, what a tease! Bring me Thursday now. <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah. Uh, well, that's coming up. Brought to you by Angry Beaver. This is Balloon Party, driven by Manganes, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. We are on 101 ESPN and on YouTube via the Air Alliance team cameras. Come on in. The water is warm in the YouTube chat and in the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. Doug Armstrong's press conference uh, started the program today. Kind of a state of the blues as they get ready to start the season tomorrow night, right here on 101 ESPN against the Dallas Stars and then the home 
opener uh, this Saturday. Uh, Jackson, we have the uh, sports business newsletter. Yeah, brought to you by the Angry Beaver. Yeah, what do we mention, got? Mention Piddles for $5 off any pizza. Currency. We've been discussing sports media a lot recently, and mainly the death of RSNs and the moving to streaming in sports. One league that we seldom mention is the NFL, mainly because of the dominance it puts forth in the television sphere. However, something we haven't kicked around is the NFL owning TV channels as opposed to the traditional NFL licensing media rights deal. A Wall Street analyst has kicked around the idea of the NFL purchasing the Disney-owned ABC channel. Laura Martin says the NFL is so tied up in linear television that they can't afford to let it die, so best to just buy it themselves and ensure their future. It also happens that Disney is reconsidering all their media assets, including ABC. What do you think of this idea? Is the NFL power enough to own its own major network? Uh, yeah, I think it is, actually. I found and, it really interesting. Yeah, I, I read the article, and I saw the thought process behind it. Um, I don't think networks, I don't think this is really all that cutting edge, but I don't know how often it's discussed either. I don't think networks are as valuable as they were, it goes without saying, 50 years ago, but even at the start of this century. Oh, yeah. And so to have that linear ability uh, would makes sense. Of course, it all comes down to the price point. But when I read that and I, I thought through it, I go, yeah, that could actually make sense for the NFL. And, yeah. and I think they're the only league who could do that. That's what that was my follow up is like, I don't even I don't I don't think any other I, th- I think you could combine baseball and NHL, which they kind of do with regional sports networks. Um, you know, like the Blues and Cardinals are both on Bally Sports Midwest. I'm sorry, Bailey's Sports Midwest. Thank you. Yeah. I would wonder even if like they could own some. I mean, there's not much crossover there. You cover both seasons, but I don't even think that's possible. I think only the NFL could do it. I think that's why they got the deal, the exclusive deal with Amazon Prime. I mean, I don't know if Prime would even be interested in something like a an MLB. Yeah, I was I, I was listening to uh, Andrew Marchand and uh, John Oran's sports business podcast on my way to the station this morning, and uh, they were talking about the college football rights and how TNT could get in the mix for TBS TNT depending on what they do with the NBA, mm-hmm. the the question becomes, would Amazon come in and just go, we want it all? And, and it's because of the 12-team playoff. Right. But what you're paying for is really that final four matchup. And I believe it was John Oran of the Sports Business Journal who pointed out that the current first game, even though I don't think the, the polls have been released yet, but either mm-hmm. way, I guess he's looking at one of the AP polls or coaches poll, not the college football playoff rankings, would be Wyoming against Ohio State. How attractive would that be? Is that in but Laramie? Does that, does that, no, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the Buckeyes would travel Laramie. We know it didn't go well for the Fighting Tigers 2019. But then another matchup would be Roll Todd heading to Happy Valley. Oh. Oh, my God. It's like Steph Curry just called in. Oh. Oh, oh now, now LeBron's on. That, that, like, inject that into my veins. Wow, you really want to see Alabama and Penn Cold State? Cold weather, Happy Valley, State Late College, December, early January. I just love college football, man. That would be like top. T- that's why I'm hey, so let me excited. Tell you something. I want you to listen to me and listen to me good. Yeah. If those fighting Tigers could have beaten those Bayou Bengals, that probably would have been Missouri replacing Wyoming and heading to Columbus for the first time since 1998. A team that they led at the half. I would I would already be buying... And I believe Ohio State was number one when they went up there. I would already buy an Airbnb in Columbus. You're going there. You're it, going to the big horseshoe and you're wearing your black and yellow. Oh yeah. Proudly. 
Um, yeah, I, I think like that's what makes me so excited for the twelve team playoff is the opportunity for home teams to have approved the first game, like no neutral site, like home game, like go win at Happy Valley, Nick Saban. If you're real, what's it going to be like when Penn State comes to Columbia next year? Oh my God! For the that's going to be an atmosphere unlike for the, anything. The, the first round. Oh yeah, these be- best oh, of well, luck. Here comes here comes USC. It's just this is exactly what college football needs. I'm so done with neutral site games. I'm yeah, but what so about done. the excitement of the Bulls when the good players say I'm out? I hate the Bulls. I hate the Bulls. I never. I barely even watch them. Will I care if Missouri wins the Holiday Bowl or not against wow. Army? Have or, fun on Tiger Board today. Yeah, I will. I always have fun on Tiger Board. <laughs> Such you. rational humans. Wow, Jackson. What? I'm a true son. I'm going to distance myself from that statement on behalf of everybody here at 101 ESPN. <laughs> We recognize Jackson Burkett is an up-and-coming broadcaster and sometimes goes off half-cocked emotionally regarding tiger board, message boards. Because right. they're so in vogue. <laughs> Everyone's like, what message board are you posting on today? But while we support Jackson, we also support the time he's taking away from the station yeah. to reflect. Yeah, yeah, learning about myself. And he's going to learn about himself. Take some inventory. We're going to learn more coming up at 11 o'clock because BK and Ferrario are coming in. We are heading out. Time for us to shut it down for Action Jackson, who is going to be suspended for those comments. <laughs> I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.